If you like this show, I have two requests. Please share it with somebody you think might like it. And also make sure that they know what a podcast is and how to consume it, either on iTunes or Transistor or Spotify. And the second request is, I know you know somebody that would make a great interview. All these conversations are friends of mine, either on social media, LinkedIn, or actually in person. And if you know someone with a great story, please let me know. I'd love to talk to them. This awesome background track is provided by today's guest, Randy Weafe. He's a friend and colleague of mine. It's called Retro Funk, and I'm including the whole thing at the end of this episode. Enjoy. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. What are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I could do this all day. The Matt Sodnikar Podcast. All right, welcome to the podcast. This is Matt Sodnikar. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate the comments and the support. It means a lot that uh, anybody actually listens to this, so I, I do appreciate it. Um, with me is a new friend and coworker, Randy Weafe. He's the head of product here at Flatfile. And uh, we did a pre-call last week and just had some very cool things that I wanted him to cover. With that, Randy, thanks for making the time, but I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, as I mentioned to you in the call, like I'm not used to talking about myself, and people tell me that I, I need to because I have good stories, and and so yeah, this is my first step in into doing that. Nice, nice. Yeah, so you're gonna basically have to say everything for an hour. I hope that doesn't make you feel nervous. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna take a nap. <laughs> so, tell me the story about proving your mom wrong. And I'll just preface it this way. Um, if you're not used to talking about yourself, what I tell people yeah. on the show is that the more you talk, the better. So let Fair it rip. Let it rip. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Uh, so where, where can I start? I guess I can start six years ago. Um, this was when I was working at a carpet warehouse, um, like carpet warehouse tools, uh, store and I was one of the back managers assistants basically there and we used to bail up used carpet padding and so people would come trucks trucks just trucks full of these really old carpet padding uh and and from there we would bail them up stack them use the forklift stack them um and one day we stacked them too high and I was I was working one of them fell behind my back and pinned me to the ground. And what I remember was just basically yelling and screaming, like trying to get people to help me because there's usually customers in the warehouse back there picking up stuff, et cetera. Um, luckily, someone was able to find me, help me help me up, uh, and then they called an ambulance and I went to the hospital. How long were you pinned? And I don't even, <laughs> like it, it feels like forever, but maybe it was like three minutes. <laughs> um, and like, luckily, the only thing, the real damage, um, I guess uh, I'd say there's my, my ankles always has been messed up since. Like I always feel some aches there. Um, but like, the you know, damage that you can see was my teeth were broken. And so um, like my front two teeth have 
your fate basically. Um, they got chipped off and got some. I, I forgot what the technical term is for that, but yeah, yeah, they got replaced. Um, and so that moment was when I realized, like, all right, so what am I actually doing with my life? <laughs> that that it took me until twenty five years to figure out, like, oh man, now I need to actually do something with my life. Um, and at that time, I just I'd been I just started dating my now wife, um, and I was also thinking about the future with her and all that. And so I set myself like a pros cons list of just like I really just spoke to myself like, what do I really want to do? Am I going to go back to college? And am I just going to continue working in the warehouse? Maybe I can branch into this flooring industry and like go somewhere else and do sales or something like that. Um, and you know, my mom is an immigrant family full of immigrants, and the only reason why they come to America is for a better life for their kids. And so, like, college for her is the number one thing. Um, and I did a brief stint of of college, and I can come back to that story a little bit later. Um, but I did a brief stint in college, fell into depression, um, and just couldn't really continue on from there. Um, and so I didn't know if college was still the right thing for me or not. Um, and with my financial situation at that time, it wasn't like I could take multiple classes at one and be done in like the four years or something like that. I would have to take one class at a time um, just so I can pay stuff off. Um, and it just, yeah, I weighed that option. Um, I have a great friend, Eric, who was like, try programming, like start messing around with programming, see maybe you can get something out of that. Um, and I've always been interested in computers growing up, like playing video games, like watching my brother build his own computer and stuff, uh, stuff like that. So I was like, oh, maybe I could, I, maybe I can try this. I'm gonna give myself a year to learn C sharp. At that time, that's what I was set on. Learn C sharp, get into .NET, possibly just build some cool things that I can show off to people. And I had that conversation with my wife, my now wife, Kathy, uh, had that conversation with my uncle. They're like, go for it, man. You can do it. I had that conversation with my mom and it did not go well. <laughs> it was basically a <laughs> screaming match. I was crying. She was crying. Like, it was just like, like, why don't you believe it? Like, basically, like, can you just believe in me? Like, give me this chance. Like, let me do this. Um, I don't think school is right for me. I would have to go through it all over again and like it'll just take forever for me to get to a good place um and so yeah I mean that conversation was really really hard Kathy was there with me just as emotional support like but it was a really hard conversation um to have and and basically I mean I basically hung up and I set out my goals for one year teach myself how to do something in programming and so from there, like um, one or two months from there, I was doing some C-sharp things. I applied for an internship at my friend Eric's company. Didn't get in reasonable, like <laughs> I've been doing it for two months. Um, <laughs> there was no real expectation, but it was more about like the feedback, like what should I be working on programming wise? Uh, what should I be working on interview wise, et cetera. And so I really got, I got some really great feedback. Um, 
then I also started diving, thinking about, should I even be in the back end world? Like, I don't even know if I like back end programming. Maybe I'm more of a front end programmer. And so I gave that a shot. And that it just like instantly clicked for me because I can make my changes, see it change visually. There's no compiling. There's no like waiting or anything. Like I can just see my, my changes instantly. And so it mixes some of the logical and creative side of things. Um, and so I started like building just random websites for my friends. I started um, building this website some, for breweries that are in Colorado Springs, um, just trying to get out there. And so learning different frameworks at that time, what I think Angular was like the new hotness. And so taking a bunch of tutorials around Angular, reading some books around it, just any free, anything free, any free resource I can get my hands on, I did. And, and then, and so from there, I think after that year, um, I was still working at the warehouse um, in the fall of the following year. So 20, I guess that would be 2015. Um, if it's five years, yeah, 2015 in the, in the spring of 2015, sorry. Um, I felt like I was in a good place to actually start applying again for internships or just like really low positions. Like I didn't care. I just want to get into this field. Um, I put, I saw an ad on Craigslist um that was hiring for an intern like front end person like basically you get the designs you just code it up there's no questions asked like that's all you had to do um and i was like sweet yeah i feel like i can do this i can yeah i can do this um and that person ended up being our now ceo of uh, file david um so he was the first person to really give me a chance and from there i was able to meet him i was able to meet daniel um that also works at file and that experience and then john a friend of ours um that's like product manager at netflix now um so it's like a really good group of people to start learning from and like the the two three months i worked there was the best like i learned so fast i made so many mistakes i began to like understand how i work as a person um, in those settings um yeah and Sadly, the, the startup there didn't succeed. Um, and so I had to go find a different job. I landed at an agency. Um, uh, it's the Philong dealership group in Colorado Springs, which is a pretty big agency, a pretty big dealership. Um, and so the agency that, it, it's an in-house agency for that group. And that was really also another fun experience. Um, my boss at that time, Andy, yeah, Andy, um, he was like, man, this guy's awesome. I was like, I didn't think I was awesome. <laughs> like I showed him things I've done in CodePen and like all these other things. And obviously I'm always comparing myself to other people, which, you know, starting to, you know, undo that damage that I've done to myself there. Um, but like, it was really cool to see like, man, someone's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're really good. We want you. And, and so from there, that's where, that's where I'd say my, my real front end experience kind of blew off and I got really big into this tech world, tech space. Um, yeah, um, and so from there, I, I ended up working at a, wow, it's my previous place, why am I blinking? Uh, I ended up working at a, um, like a CMS platform called Crown Peak up in Denver. And so I live in Colorado Springs. I was commuting up to Denver, which is oh, without traffic, it's an hour. Yeah. Um, but there's going to be traffic. So it's generally two hours both ways. 
Um, Fridays though, Fridays were the worst. Fridays were three hours coming back. Like it was terrible. <laughs> and we have like these public, we have this um, transport system called Busting, which I'll take once in a while, but like, it's so slow. <laughs> Sometimes they're not on time. They're like, and you know, they have other stops to make too. So like, I can't really fault that. And yeah, some, some days it'll just take like four hours, uh, especially when it snows. When it snows, that was probably the worst. Um, the, the shining light, at least there, was that uh, they have Wi-Fi on the bus in the bathroom. So you can still work, kind of. The Wi-Fi wasn't the best, but I mean, it was something. It was something. Um, and, I mean, I was just happy to have be able to go to a job that I was really enjoying and liked. And I was at that time doing UX design. Um, so I transitioned from front end into UX. Uh, and like, I really loved the people I was around and worked with and just being in an office full of people who were excited to be there was really, really cool. Um, and as, as I was working at Crown Peak, David, once again, he always has amazing ideas. Like, I, I believe his other idea was like passwords that I kind of helped him work on a little bit, but that was more of like him and Daniel. Uh, and then he brought this idea of flat file. Um, and I started doing some side work there for him on, on flat file, building out like the first two or three uh, versions of the website, um, but not getting like too deep into like the technical aspect. It was just like, hey, I need the help on this thing. So can you help me? Um, and I believe, as I mentioned to you, like what, once he really started getting really excited about flat file, that's when I knew I was like, all right, I, I will. I will get on this on this board. <laughs> I'll get on board with this. Um, you're taking pay cuts. You're like really believing this. Uh, all, all our other friends believe in it. Like, let's do this. Let's grow a company. And I've never been at a company where I can be at the start. Um, it's always someone else, and never I never feel like I have ownership over anything. And like, so like the the time from that transition from Crown Peak to Flatfile was like the time where my mom realized like what I was doing and like understood like, oh, oh crap, like this is this is a great field for myself to be in. And like she talks to other family members and they're like, yeah, man, Kwaku, that, that's my Ghanaian name. Kwaku's doing really well for me. Like he's doing head of product, he's doing um, coding, like yeah, like he's he's really stepped it up. And so like me and my mom had that conversation, like she cried, apologized, which She's never apologized to me before. <laughs> <laughs> so that so like right there was like holy crap like this is that's nuts like okay yeah and so like that was when I knew like I made it and I definitely I feel like I'm still new into this field but like I'm slowly getting better and yeah I'm, yeah just improve I'm improving and enjoying this experience. I know that was long. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I've got a, a ton of questions and for someone that needs to think they need to talk about themselves more. Like you do a great job. That's an awesome story. <laughs> so you. you're fine, man. You're, you're where you need to be. <laughs> um, so, well, two things first, you know, I don't think anybody would want their obituary to read killed by carpet. <laughs> there's, there's probably no good ways to die but that, that's on the list of a hard pass for me 
right and just like how uh, being in the the absolute wrong place at the absolute wrong time that that yeah. just sucks but had that not happened would you have had the moment of clarity um i think it would have been slower um i was already having that like that like i said when i met cappy was when i also started really thinking about the future and where i want to be um and so when we started dating i was doing a little coding and just like touching it out feeling feeling the space out a little bit um but that moment was what like really drove it forward um i i wouldn't be as quick to react if that moment didn't happen sure yeah. and and what about college didn't work for you and you know it's something that i've told my son he just graduated from cu and i've told him my goal as a dad is i just want you to be happy yeah. And I'm not pinning my hopes and dreams on what you do with your life. And if you've got a billion dollar idea or it's not working, just, I want you to be happy or whatever that yeah. looks like. But, um, what about college wasn't a fit? Um, so six years ago, I think it was more of, I didn't want to start over again. I didn't want to go through because I mean none of my transfer none of my credits would have transferred. I didn't finish my first year. Like none of that would have applied, and so I would have had to start all over again. And I feel like, and doing that one class at a time just felt like a tedious thing to me. <laughs> like, I, am I the most proficient at English or math or any of these things? Probably not. But like, I I know what I want to do, and I just want to get to that point. Um, and learn and pick up the things that I need to do, um, you know, on, outside of um, on my own time and, and, and get better that way. Um, and so, yeah, I think, it, I think it was just more of like, yeah, I have to go through this all over again. I have to start from ground one, um, mm -hmm. which I mean, it's like, I, I don't, looking back, I have no regrets in terms of not finishing or not going to college, but I think the one area would have helped me with is just having the structure in terms of this is how you present ideas or this is how you communicate and network with people and and articulate yourself. And I think that's one of my weaknesses um, that I'm trying to get better at. And and you know, I guess it's more of I, I don't know if it's like trying to like also please. The Ghanaian side of the family is like you need to also sound smart and like you need to sound articulate. Look at all these other people; they went to college and they sound smart, but they, that doesn't mean they're smart. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> um, and so I, I think I hold myself to that way too much sometimes. Um, like, oh, I don't sound really articulate compared to other people around me, so I don't speak out as much or something like that. Um, yeah. Well, I think that's going to be one of your foundations for success, honestly. Mm -hmm. And, and this comes from very similar struggles, um, personally, and just a ton of books, a ton of podcasts about people that are driven and ultimately successful. It's that balance between being self-critical and not driving into the, the negative side, but also mm -hmm. realizing that it can always get better. And it was one of those transformational things for me, probably about maybe your age or a little bit older mm -hmm. and was like, man, if somebody can learn a skill, anybody can learn a skill. Yeah. And I, and I thought that, you know, and again, when I was younger, I was uh, 
perfect and, and entitled <laughs> asshole. <laughs> and I thought that people just were given things, gifted things, born with it. And the minute that yeah. I learned, still didn't believe it, but I learned that if you want to do programming or sales or ride a bike, whatever it may be, a skill can be learned by anybody. And then mm -hmm. that's when the world kind of opened up and I still had to take years to learn that, all right, you need persistence and dedication. But I honestly think that mindset is, is just going to set you up for success. Yeah, totally. Um, like once, once I learned that, I also got really distracted because now I'm like, I can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, like right now, I'm like trying to learn music production. Like, is that really the perfect use of my time right now? Maybe not, maybe, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> um, but like, I'm like, I'm gonna learn drawing. I'm gonna learn how to make a game. I'm like, I can do any of these things now. Like, I, yeah, it definitely unlocks a part of you. Like, holy crap, like this is, this is awesome. Um, and like, well, like you said, it's like, it's, it's the persistence part. Like, at least are you doing it an hour a day or even 10 minutes a day? Like just building towards progress. Um, and, and just seeing that improvement is really, it's really fun. Yeah. And also that, that sense of power really that mm -hmm. you, you can do it and it's a little bit scary. And, you know, and again, being ADD, you know, shiny fucking object, you know, distracted <laughs> by whatever, like I am the, I get all these targeted emails for, um, you know, like trello and jira and asana and all this stuff so i'm on some list that i'm focused <laughs> on that stuff and so it's the hardest thing for me oh the top five tips of this newest yeah. productivity tool i've honestly randy had to stop myself and go you don't need to do this because for me like i love building stuff but i don't like maintaining stuff and so the mm -hmm. most exciting thing for me would be like oh a new project management you know, personal productivity tool. Sweet. I'll take the day and do it and not do anything I'm supposed to do. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, 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 stop it, dude. What you're doing is fine. Just get back to work. <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, I think yeah, like tooling, I don't know how to put it, but like tool, it's like deceptive. Like these things will get you to work faster when instead you just need to do the thing. <laughs> so like you just need to do the thing. And then yeah. as you, you, you hit a wall, that's when you add the tools to it. Um, yeah. Like I'm running into this issue again with new production because there's a bunch of plugins and like everyone's like, oh, use this plug, use this plug, use this plug. And I'm like, oh crap. Like I haven't made a song or I haven't worked on anything in the last like two, three weeks. I should just make a song. And then over the weekend, I was like, all right, I made a couple of beats. It felt good. I didn't look at any plugins. Like it was awesome. <laughs> Were you always goal oriented? You talked about the the programming side and, and mm -hmm. just writing down your goals. Was that something you had always done? Not, I would say in my twenties, mm -hmm. I I did that. So like my my real big thing in the early twenties was writing. Uh, I'm not an amazing writer, but like I read a lot of fantasy. I read a lot of like sci-fi, and I was like, I want to be a writer, and so. There's this thing called uh, National Novel Writing Month in November, where you have to write fifty thousand words towards like a story or something. Oh, wow. um, and I did that for like three years in a row. Um, it was really really fun. And like before that, I was also writing poetry. And 
I can send you the link after this. It's really, really bad poetry. Um, but you can really see like the state I was in, depression state I was in, like, but I, I wrote like, I think I had 80 something poems that I published. Um, and so like writing was something I really, really wanted to get into. Um, I got into meetup groups, writing meetup groups, went to different seminars. Like I thought writing was gonna be the way forward for me, for sure. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, so definitely in my early 20s, I started setting goals for myself. Like, um, I think every year now I have a goal. Um, so last year was I wanted to work on games. I did that. I met awesome people, did some game jams, um, participated in, in them to create games. And I checked that off my list. This year it's about music, um, making um, songs from scratch, um, at least one or two, uh, getting there. Not, not quite there yet, but getting there on that one. Um, and so like every year I want to set myself a, a goal to, to work towards um, outside of just work, obviously. You know, I think that the perception that the first creative endeavor you do, whether it's painting or poetry or writing or music is going to be a, a number one bestseller, a hit <laughs> that, that probably kills more creativity and more amazing things from, you know, recorded history through the end of history, because mm -hmm. I'd be willing to bet that, um, and I'd love to see that poetry link for, sure. yeah, I'll send it after this. Yeah. And you know, nothing survives first contact. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, from coding, I know from coding that when you hit compile, there's going to be syntax errors and your first effort's going to be shit, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But at the end of the day, at least you put pen to paper or, you know, put the electrons in the keyboard and mm -hmm. something up like you did it. Right. Yep. And how many people, uh, it was some, I don't know where I saw this, but yeah, you know, somebody's talking about coffee shops in Hollywood and like everybody's, writing their screenplay but you look at all the screens and it's all facebook right they're, they're just dicking around and it's like you just got to get it out there and see what happens and i think that's the there's a a book that I, i've talked about a lot on this podcast and talked to friends called the war of art i don't know if you've ever heard mm -hmm. of i've heard of it i've not read it yet yeah yeah i think listen to it on audio i think it's good to have the print version but the guy that reads it is just an amazing um voice actor okay. but he just he talks about he's really big into greek mythology but he just talks about how if you've got that idea for the poem in your head like the gods have literally come down from the mountain and touched you and put it in your head then it's your obligation to just get it out, get out yep. and do it and so i mean i think there's a lot of hyperbole there but it's like why not like even if you just do it for yourself you've channeled yep. something and yep you know, that music production, maybe you're not going to be a producer, but that skill is going to be something that will, that like that creativity and that learning that it's good for your brain and it's going to fire you up yep. and something's going to be, something will come of it. That skill will come back and either some friend will ask you to do it, something for work. <laughs> and it's just, and I love that pursuit of creativity for just learning's sake, as opposed mm -hmm. to you know, building a resume or a job or something like that. Yep. 
and it's it's funny and it's just ingrained in like the Ghanaian culture but everyone's like all right so you're into this now like are you gonna make money off of it i try to say like no 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 because like once you start bringing into the money that's when you start like all right this thing needs to be polished and amazing uh and that's when you start like stopping yourself basically um and so yeah i, I try my best to distract from that like if if it takes off in 10 years cool if it doesn't awesome also um like my writing i have a bunch of short stories in the google doc that no one will ever see <laughs> but they're there i wrote them at least i got them out uh, of my mind um so yeah so going back to the the poetry and the depression, and, and we talked about that um, last week, and I think I've been at times in my life situationally depressed through um, yeah, definitely the first part of this year, kind of being, not kind of, being laid off and then COVID and isolation. And just, mm-hmm. I told you the story about having binge watch like five episodes of Ozark and having my third plate of lasagna, like at midnight, it's <laughs> gone, dude, this is, this is a problem, but you know, question, is, was it homemade lasagna at least? Yeah, kind of, you know, the sauce okay. wasn't, but at least <laughs> <laughs> you know, there was some effort. I just wasn't eating the stofers right out of the pan. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a, I would have called 911. Yeah, I, exactly. That I'm trying to see how critical, <laughs> like how intense this really was. No, I actually <laughs> got a spatula and I put a serving on a plate and it was, a, and I used a fork, but yeah, I mean, if, if you just have the, the tray in your lap and eating it with a ladle, that's a fucking problem. Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I also remember with my first divorce, it was, I'll never forget the time. It was like 3.37 in the morning and just wanted to sleep. And I wasn't, I don't think I was suicidal, but I was definitely just wanting a break from my brain thinking about this problem. Mm-hmm. And just, man, if I could just just be knocked out for eight hours and just sleep and wake up. And um, yeah, so I've, I've experienced situational depression, but what was, what was yours like? Yeah, I mean, man. So going back, I, I ever since our conversation, I, I thought about it a little bit more. Like, when did I actually start feeling depressed? Um, I'll preface this by saying I, I'm definitely not diagnosed, self-diagnosed. Um, I do feel like I have symptoms, um, but basically, I think it started with my parents' parents' divorce, mm. and so in 2001 my parents officially like split up and how old and so, were you? 2001 wow oh 12 12 yes okay. <laughs> um and so once that happened i my mom broke basically and i was living with my mom um she's then you know had to start picking up jobs so working two three jobs um and i just felt like i wasn't I felt like I also I wasn't being challenged in school. I feel like like math was this thing I was into at that at least at that time. I'm really terrible at math, uh, but at that time math was what I was into. I feel like yeah, this is the thing I'm good at. Um, but as I see saw my mom crying and just like breaking down at home, I just fell into this pattern of like I don't care anymore. 
Like, I don't care about my school. Like, I feel useless. I can't help my mom. Even though the whole goal for my mom is like, get through school and be good at it. It just did not click for me. Um, you know, if I remember what she said, she said, she basically is like, why couldn't you be, you know, one of those kids that like comes out of this stronger and like go through school and like, you know, do that whole thing where people can say like, oh, look at where he came from and he, and he was amazing. And like, that was really hard also. Like, I'm just like, oh shit, like how, and, and please, I'm like my mom is not a terrible person, but like, no, no, these no. are, these are definitely things that like affected me at that time. And like, that's a being, lot for a 12 year old, dude. That's a lot. Yeah. 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 No. Um, and like also just being disappointed in my dad um, and what he did and the reason behind their divorce was just like, I felt like I lost trust. And so that's when I also started like just keeping to myself and not really opening it up was because of that. Um, I mean, I really, I loved my dad. Um, over time, I've started to learn that I should you know, forgive and kind of love him back and really understand his side also. Um, I was only getting my mom's side of things too. So, so I mean, yeah, I thought, yeah, it was, it was just really, <laughs> it was just really, really hard on me. Um, and so like throughout those years, like that's, it just, I just kept going down. Like I even wrote suicide notes. Like I wrote notes that said I were I wasn't good enough and like I would hide it and like my mom would find it. And it's just like, what's going on? Like she would also try to help, help, help me out here. Uh, but it just, yeah, it just didn't click. Um, and so through, through high school, I kind of faked it, trying to fake the happiness while inside I was just like, this is the worst. Um, and that's kind of been with me ever since. I definitely, I'm in a much better state right now, um, but there's definitely points where I, I go in and out of that. Um, and there's there has been points throughout my 20s where it's been like suicidal for sure. Um, and that part was, so my first year of college, um, I went to Moorhead State, the technical school that was attached to it. Um, and one of my best friends got hit, got killed in a car accident. And that just like, that just really broke me. <laughs> um, and um, I didn't really know what to do. I was in a terrible state. Also at the same time, my girlfriend at the time cheated on me. So I'm like, all these things are happening at once. <laughs> um, and my brother at that time was living in California and I moved out there with him. He's like, just come live with me, come work some odd, odds and ends and we can like try to put your life together. Um, and that was, that was like looking like a, a bright spot because I really respect my brother. Um, he's 10 years older than me. I always looked up to him. Like he was like, at that time, at least the, the person I wanted to be like. Um, sadly, I couldn't be as tall as him. Uh, I'm pretty sure. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, he was the person I looked up to. Um, and so when we were out there, he also ran into some issues, um, relationship wise, and that also broke him. And so now you have two depressed people <laughs> living in the same, in the same house, just like sulking. They go to work, come back and just like do whatever they need to do and not really interact or talk with each other. Um, and 
it was really that that was really that was really difficult for both of us but it was also difficult for our uh, mainly because we weren't responding to texts we weren't calling back we weren't doing anything like no some people thought we were dead like no one knew what we were up to basically hmm. um and then after that situation my brother kind of was like all right we need to go back to colorado because this is where he went to college and joined the army here also and he said he had some friends here that we can live with and just like kind of just get back on our feet and surround us with friends basically um and so that's when in 2000 fall 2009 that's when we moved to colorado and that's where i've been since um and we started we, we still were in our depressed state for the first like year and during that time was when my grandma passed and i did not call my mom or call family or anything like that i was just like fuck this is the person that like i i really was really close to my grandma um and like i started also getting to bed like well if i why, why am i not calling like what's the reason why i'm not calling and i never to this day never have really solved that um i missed out on the funeral i missed out on just like all of that saying goodbye i never got to say goodbye some days like even now i'm just like shit like i never got to say goodbye to my grandma um that was when i was like what what do i have to live for um I'm this weird kid that works in a warehouse at that time <laughs> um, and I'm not reaching out to my family or I don't feel like I have family around me like this is I should just like and like <laughs> this is it <laughs> um luckily I don't know what it was I didn't pull through with it because there was pills that I was gonna I was gonna take throughout the night and just like and just be done with it this is useless um I just, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really don't know what stopped me. I think maybe the realization of like, I still have my nieces, like my nieces still, they still try to call me and like talk to me and my mom and my dad, they still try, they try to reach out. Like, even if we haven't talked to them for like six months, they will try to reach out. So I mean, someone at least cares about me and wants me around. Um, I, I think that, that might have been what stopped me from doing anything there. Um, yeah, I mean, it, like it was from that point onward is I think that's when I started really setting goals for myself of being a better person. Like, what can I achieve this year? What can I achieve next year? Like to just be a better person um, and to also obviously do something that I like and enjoy. Uh, and so that's when writing really came came back. Uh, I did it a little bit in high school, like the poetry stuff. Um, I, I fell out of it. And then that's when my, I really started writing poetry again. Like it was a, a good release. It was just a good way to get my thoughts on paper and like not feel as empty because then there's a community that can interact with it. And like I met some great people from just doing some of the poetry. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that was like, that was the, that was the turning point in, in saying like, I'm going to control this depression. Like, I'm not going to have to control me at all. Thanks for sharing that story. That's, um, 
I admire the courage to talk about that. And I don't have any formal training as a counselor. I just have some, <clears throat> you know, my friend Aubrey has been on the, sh the show a couple of times and we've talked about that. And um, it's, it's fundamentally nothing to be, <clears throat> excuse me, embarrassed or ashamed of, right? Like oh, yeah. people feel like shit and it gets mm -hmm. bad and it gets worse and it gets out of control. And the key is to just, but what she's taught me is just talk about it. Just, yep. you know, and I remember those days too. I remember um, I was staying home with the kids. I had quit my engineering position and it was a you know, beautiful summer day like this. I just <laughs> walked my son to kindergarten and my daughter was two or three maybe. And I was miserable and I was just beating myself up about the marriage falling apart and everything else. And my therapist was just like, if that's how you're feeling, that's how you're feeling. Just don't, don't get in line to kick your own ass. And yeah. when I realized that, okay, this is temporary and it, I just feel bad. It's in the moment. I gave myself a little bit of latitude to relax. And I remember that was one part of my recovery was just like, you know, all this, like, and I just couldn't even fake a smile. Like I would try like favorite songs and movies or going for a ride. And just, I just remember the sun being on my face and just thinking this sucks. Why am I feeling this way? And it just was, that's how I am. That's how I am yeah. right now. And it, it changed. And I just, I remember like, I'm going to feel good for like seven seconds. I think I told you <laughs> every day. Yeah. 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 And it got to be 15 minutes and then 30 minutes and then, you know, but it's, it's rough, man. And it, it takes some guts to talk about that. So thank you. Yeah. No problem. Um, I definitely, I've, you know, talked with people who've had depression for some reason. I also attracted people <laughs> who've had depression. Like so my, one of my good friends, Chuck, he has, he's like really, really depressed. He has, but not really, he's chronically depressed all the time. And like, I talk to him and like, I try to give him advice, but also I'm just there to listen and like say like, yeah, that sucks. Um, you know, uh, being as proactive I, as I am now, I definitely would encourage people to just like see a therapist. Like that, that is a game changer. Like just talking to someone outside of your life um, is, is a major release because uh, there's no judgment from them. They're not gonna go tell your friends like, <laughs> you have nothing to worry about just opening up to your, your therapist um like my wife hopefully it's not too much information uh but my wife also struggled with postpartum and i mean she's been open about it so it you know we got our therapist she's been proactive about it and it's just gotten it's gotten to a really good place now um and she feels safe when she's with a kid um like yeah and, and I, i've never seen it firsthand like that with someone who, who I was close with. And so I felt like, oh man, this is what I've been training for basically with all my depression. Like I can kind of help ease her through this and like get her the help that she needs also. We're not perfect. We're not, no. we don't, we're not equipped to handle this stuff out of the, you know, when we're born and our parents may not be equipped for it. And so 
it's just, I think an unreasonable expectation that we're supposed to be perfect and know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> if you yep. figure it out, let me know. Cause <laughs> definitely. Help. But yeah. And I think, I don't know. My personal opinion is that men probably struggle with this more because we're supposed to be the, the patriarch and be mm -hmm. the leaders and that we can't show weakness and you know, what, like, no, like, this isn't combat. We're not supposed to yeah. just, just be candid and ask for help. I think, and I do that now with everything, whether it's a job or looking for a car, I just kind of delegate and ask for help. And it just, it makes a huge difference. And mm -hmm. if nothing else, just not feeling alone. Yep. Asking, asking for help was definitely, and even to this day is the hardest thing, like whether it's job or like just life. Cause my, you know, my mom, she took it in her hands to raise me basically. Like my dad is not there, so she's going to work her ass off and she's going to do it herself. And so sometimes in my mind, it's just like, I have to do the same thing. I have to not ask for help because then it's admitting some kind of weakness um, there. Um, and so I just need to take everything into my own hands and just try to solve it that way. Um, when in reality, like no one does anything themselves. Like <laughs> you get help. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you, you have to have help. And uh, you'd mentioned something too, that you'd get the calls from your family and you didn't feel like responding, that you weren't worthy of that. That was something that was hard for me to admit is just, I don't feel, um, comfortable or worthwhile of receiving this friendship and this caring from mm -hmm. other people. And I would, I, same thing, man, I'd see the texts, I'd see the calls, the emails, and it, I knew that I wasn't feeling like myself and I wasn't, and I'm generally upbeat and outgoing and very energetic. And I just didn't mm -hmm. feel like myself. And I'd get those calls like, Hey, what's going on? And I would look at it and look at it like over, five minutes, an hour and a day, like, Oh, I should respond. And just, mm -hmm. but that phone felt like it weighed 400 pounds just to, <laughs> you know, just to reach out. And I think, yeah, until you said that I didn't quite realize it, but I just didn't feel worthwhile or worthy of that attention. That love. That that love. love. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I forgot what I was about to say. Dang it. Never mind. Go back to you. <laughs> I, had, I had a thought I was going to continue off of that, um, and I just forgot that. Anyway. Well, it'll come back. It'll <laughs> yeah, come yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and then uh, you know, something else you said too, and this goes way back in the conversation about like yeah. internships that you would just do whatever, and not to abruptly depart from the depression and and things like yeah, that. No. But um, I really admired that because I, as I was looking for a job, I I was talking to people about, and I would say this sometimes in cover letters too. How would you like the most overqualified 52 year old intern <laughs> at your company, <laughs> you know, and just being humble and coming at it and just saying, I just want the opportunity. That's all I want. Yeah. Just give me the opportunity to prove myself and, yep. and not, and then again, I've got experience and I've got this resume and I've got these skills, but setting the ego aside and coming in and just saying, look, I want to, just I, all I want is the chance. Just give me the chance. And I, I, when you said that, you know, just do whatever, you know, the internship and just being 
willing and open to do that. I, I, that really resonated with me. Oh yeah. And I mean, David, I don't know if David likes me to talk about it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, like when I started working for David or interning with him, I was getting paid $8 an hour, which was like a huge cut from my warehouse job already. And so like, but carpet wasn't going to fall on you. Exactly. So carpet wasn't going to fall on me. I can see that there is at least a future in programming um, where however I go, like, and so it was just like a great first step. And like I said, like I learned so damn much those two months that two, three months that compared to what I did on my own for a year, like doesn't even compare. And so, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, just getting your foot in the door and like, just willing to accept the level that you're at and just grow from there is huge. And I can see people and back last summer when there were networking events, right? I would see people that um, it's mostly dudes. (laughs) We'd be at these networking events and it's all just, you know, the like, they're just walking billboards. Like, look at me, look at me and all this. And and again, I'm not judging and I'm not looking to, you know, destroy these people, but I can just kind yeah. of hear what they're saying, how they're saying it. And it's a foundation built on sand. And mm-hmm. the people that I've admired the most in my life are the ones that really don't talk a whole lot about themselves and what they do. And that's mm-hmm. just, they're, they're content in their efforts and they're content in their accomplishments. And the recognition doesn't, take away from where they're, they're just humble. And I'm, I'm drawn mm-hmm. to confident yet humble people. It's just, it's, I like surrounding myself with those kinds of people. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of the things that I struggle with in terms of like social media or like LinkedIn. Like, I feel like LinkedIn, it feels so fake to me. <laughs> like, I just, I just like, I mean, I, I assume there's definitely general, genuine like content. Like you can really connect with people on there, but like, it just feels so fake for me. It's just like, it's all about your accomplishment, accomplishments. And like, as someone who struggles with imposter syndrome, that's not a great place for you to, to look or to, to, <laughs> to really interact with. And so that's why like my LinkedIn, I put that away. Um, I, I obviously have it for this job, but like, I don't really yeah. pay attention or post on it. Um, I got rid of like Facebook and Instagram, at least on my phone. Um, and so I'm not really engaged in those areas anymore in my life. Like, I feel like I'm in a place where I have the people that I care about around me. That's it. Like, that's, that's all I really care about. I don't really care about anyone else. Yeah. Like the way we used to do it 10, 12 years ago, you'd call somebody, you'd, you know, while, while I do like the photos, you need print photos out and send them to people. You know, I, I think that's really cool with the, the cameras, but yeah, like the actual old school, interaction like why don't we actually just have a conversation (laughs) um the other the other thing i wanted to cover too when we talked last week is um uh, i don't know if this is the proper term but you we talked about um racism within the black community Mm. and from um uh, people of ghana and african-americans and as part of what's been happening the past couple months just again wanting to learn and experience this what can you dive into that for me yeah um so i i I went to ghana in 
in the 90s, came back in 2001. Um, and when I was in middle school, it was primarily around middle school, um, I, I didn't fit in. I didn't fit in because I wasn't doing the same like things other black people around me were doing um, in terms of like songs I listened to, the shit I read or um, watched. So I was I'm into anime, so I watch anime and like, and all those things you'd get clowned on, you'd get kind of like dismissed in terms of like, why, no, like we don't really accept you because you don't do, you don't follow these X, Y, and Z standards, even though at that time I, I did listen to those things or I did follow some of these um, trends. Um, but I just never really got accepted into the black community when I was younger. And I mean, that is also hard when you're going through a divorce and you're yeah. like already downing yourself. Um, it's like, all right, I know I'm weird, but like, damn, I didn't know I was that weird. Like, <laughs> my, own, my own people wouldn't accept me because um, I'm still getting, you know, like, you're, I'm not going to be accepted by other white communities. I'm not going to be accepted by the Asian communities. Um, and so that's where I really started leaning into like my my nerdisms. Like I'm a, I like games. I'm gonna go to the game clubs. I'm gonna go to like anime watch parties and just meet those people there. Um, I think now because there's plenty of rappers who now went through that same thing, and 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 now it's part of their identity. Like uh, Denzel Curry, he watches anime and he'll talk to you about Japanese culture and like there are people around him that. Are, are part of that and like it's celebrated. I, I just fucking love seeing that now. Um, that it's not just one-off black group of people that are into this weird shit. <laughs> um, and 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 to speak on like the, I guess the racism on the on on the Ghanaian and Black American side of things. This is just more of like, as I said, I think it was what my parents saw on TV. This, the stereotypes of Black Americans, basically, was what they, is what formed their opinions. It was like, don't, don't start hanging out with these Black people because they're going to get you into gang members. You're, you're going to become a gangbanger or something like that. Like, it's just, I guess, stereotypical, like, racism in that sense. Like, don't, don't get close to these Black people. Um, at that time, I was still like, but that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, like, that doesn't make any sense, mom. Like, I, you know, we struggle, we do the same, we struggle through the same thing. Like, if they're not going to get a job, I'm not going to get a job. It's like, either, like, if, I, if they're getting pulled over, I'm going to get pulled over. I'm still black to whoever else is on the outside. Um, and so I think that just having that talking piece behind me was like, this is so, this is like, it's so weird. Like I just, I, I don't think I fully grasped that until I was in my twenties, or at least when I went to to college and like hung out with black people and around people of my um, that had the same interests. Like it's just like in just high school, stupid <laughs> high school and middle school was like bullshit. Like at that oh, time, totally. Um, but I mean, to this day, I I think. I don't know. It's it's really it's hard to talk about and describe because it's because I don't it's it's just too it's too odd for me. <laughs> it's just too odd for me to get put down by your own community, but then also have your other side of the community saying don't hang out with them or 
don't be associated with them. Like it, it was just, it's just really confusing to explain or talk about. So if you have any qu questions on it, um, yeah, I, I think I rambled a little bit there. <laughs> no, no, it, well, yeah, a couple things. I felt the same way when I went to college because I was in high school and, and just sort of being not an outcast, but I, I wasn't yeah, the smartest funny. kids in high school. And I played junior varsity baseball. I wasn't a jock. I was actually a, a band geek. I played clarinet, you know, <laughs> don't tell funny. anybody, right? <laughs> so, like I had all these varying interests, but I never really fit in, you know, really, I had a lot of friends, but just never felt connected mm -hmm. and until I went to college. And I had the, 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 just the great joy of like, on my whole floor, there were like 15 of us knuckleheads that were just kind of all in the same way, just, I was like, I didn't know people like this existed. Yep. yep and yep. I think we get a little older and then some of the, like you were talking about the high school bullshit just falls away. It just doesn't matter. Yep. Yep. Um, but you know, going back to what your, your parents had seen, it's so fascinating to me that they weren't necessarily, I think, associating or maybe seeing color and I don't want to like paraphrase it, but mm -hmm. they were just seeing like the media portrayals of yep. the gangbangers and, yep. and yeah. And it just doesn't add up in my head either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, maybe it's because they never um, experienced some of what black people also experience in America. And yeah, you know, my mom is fairly shy and reserved, same with my dad. So like, they just like keep to themselves and they do the work that they need to do and don't really question anything. And so I feel like that might be a part, a little bit part of that. Um, but then others, it's just ignorance also. Like <laughs> at the end of the day, I think it's just not talking with them, not talking with other people, um, or different people from you or with different ideals, like not really engaging with them, I think um, is not really helpful. It doesn't help really, it doesn't help you really shape an opinion for yourself yeah. versus what other people are saying or how other people are influencing you. Yeah, yeah, it, you're exactly right. This is that, that, that conclusion, yeah, that jump to conclusions or that uh, inherent bias that okay you know you see somebody with uh you know a dodgers cap on you know mm -hmm. they've got to be a crip well i mean no, no, I, no. I, I just like the dodgers and just exactly yeah. Black, you know? it's just, yeah and wow it's it's so interesting to hear that that wow <laughs> yep, yep i got yep. i got nothing i'm just like <laughs> but, but it, it kind of makes sense right because we're all just you know, if we have if we have no real information, no experience, no frame of mm -hmm. reference, then we're going to default to what we've heard or what we've seen on TV, and mm -hmm. and um, yeah, it's just interesting that there's um, like yeah, like black on black judgment like that. It's mm -hmm. yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it. I think I believe it still goes. On I, I saw so I live in Colorado Springs. There's no real African community here, so like I can't really go and say and see see if that feeling or sentiment is still around. Um, but I definitely know from other like my from my cousins and 
like my brother, like, you know, they, they also experience the same thing um, from family side. So when have you been back to Ghana since your last trip in the 2000s? Nope. Hmm. I mean, the last, the last time I would have gone would have been for my, my grandma's funeral, but hmm. I have not been back. Interesting, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I'm. I'm not stunned. I'm just kind of pondering all this. That that's. Yeah, I think we had t- we had joked about it on our on our um, initial call, like in Ireland, right? The, the mm-hmm. Protestants and the Catholic, mm-hmm. and so uh, Ghanaian and looking at an African American, like having bias, prejudice, preconceived notions. It's like, yeah, how how small can you split that atom <laughs> to, you know, think about somebody. It's like, you know, wow. It's, I guess maybe it's just how humans are wired, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're different than you still, you know, we yeah. might be black, but I come from a different culture. They come from a different culture. Like it's, it's, yeah. They just see you as different because of that. I, and I think difference can breed uncertainty and that can breed anxiety. Mm-hmm. And whether it's looking at, you know, food or culture or people, I think it's just a natural part of how the, how our brains are wired. And mm-hmm. I think the first step is just awareness and just understanding like, is this uncertainty or is this fear or, or what it is? Yep. I agree. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a lot to a lot to think about. Man. <laughs> well, man, this has been this has been great. I'm I'm happy to be working with you and thank you. These, thank these conversations, like I like I told you at the end of it, I just deepening a, a relationship and a friendship with somebody, and just, mm-hmm. it's been um, wonderful to bond with you. And I just appreciate your your courage and your openness to talk about these things. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean if you get anything from this is that you can do anything you want. If you say, <laughs> um, you really like, can. Yeah. You can do anything you set your mind to it. And then also like talk to people, uh, talk to a therapist. If you're feeling depressed, but just talk to someone, um, share your experiences also. Um, I think that's huge. I don't think we share each other's experiences a lot. And we just kind of, we keep it to ourselves or to our friends group, but like having it out in the open and having some dialogue around certain things, like it lets other people know that, yeah, other people are going through the same stuff too. Yeah. It it would, it would just kill the the happy hour, right? Like if you're sitting around like, Hey, how's your day going? Like, Oh, you know what? Um, I think I almost killed myself last night. (laughs) A handful of pills, but you know, touche, touche, but context. But, <laughs> but if they're truly your friends, you should be able to just kind of be sitting around having a beer and, and say that and talk about yeah. that. Yep. And and you're right, you have context. You got to kind of set it up a little <laughs> bit. And, and that was an extreme example. But you know, again, you, these people should be your friends, and they should support you. And if that's how it comes out, that is how it should come out. Mm-hmm. Well, nice job talking about yourself, my friend. <laughs> Great stories, man. And like I said, I, I just appreciate the the openness and the the courage to do that. Yeah, thank you. I thanks for having this platform. If you didn't have this, I would not 
I've done this, so yeah. <laughs> anytime, anytime, man. <laughs> Randy, uh, I'm gonna hit stop and then uh, we'll just chat for a second. But thanks, nice job, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you.